Hello, and welcome to Romantic Underpinnings, the, Hiya. the collaboratively written romance novel podcast starring me, Andrew, and also Andrew's orange and black shirt, and Ashton. <laughs> but especially my orange and black shirt. It is the fall, everybody. I'm loving it. Fall, y'all. And we are here to read another chapter. This time, a chapter that I wrote that Ashton will be reading for the first time. Yay. Yes. <laughs> this podcast involves us trading off chapters of a historical romance novel with me writing from the perspective of our heroine, Agatha Van Horn, and Ashton writing from... I almost you almost it, called me Agatha, guys. I watched it happen. No, I almost called you Anthony. Get it straight. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> of course. Natch. Yes. Ashton writing from the perspective of Anthony, our hero, as they engage in a swashbuckling tale of nautical intrigue in 1690... They are on the crew of an English ship where Agatha was previously disguised as a young Dutch sailor named Peter de Hauck until she got unmasked. And, Ag and sorry, Anthony, or shall I say Ashton, is the captain of this ship who is making one dubious mission <laughs> on behalf of King William III of England before hopefully getting a ship and a charter and going straight. So one might say this is his last big score. But anyway, uh, in order to conclude this last big score successfully, uh, Agatha and Anthony have to make their way on a espionage slash mercantile mission through France, enemy territory, and escape with both their skins and valuable information that the king can use in the ongoing war. I believe that summarizes the plot, and I know that all of you listening, all four, five, six of you listening, are desperate to dive in. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience, and welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. But first, some admin, because that's your favorite part of the episode. Um, yes, we can be found on social media, at Instagram, at Romantic Underpinnings, at Twitter, at Rom Underpod, and our website is RomanticUnderpinnings.com. And you can email us, if you're so inclined, at hello at RomanticUnderpinnings.com. You sure can. Also... For, uh, it's unfortunate because this chapter is going to leave you in even more suspense than most. Oh man, I can't wait. Actually, I'm just saying that. Um, I don't think it's a specific, special. We should have done a cliffhanger like what's his nuts did to coin that term. Oh, Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah. With what's his face literally hanging by a clip from his fingers by a cliff. Was that Sherlock? That's where that comes Holmes? from. Yeah. Or, yeah, he like literally at the end of one, because he was. He, his books were serialized. Mm -hmm. He, like, released them weekly? Monthly? I don't know. In a newspaper. And at the end of one chapter, 
Sherlock Holmes or the other guy, what's their guys, Moriarty, mm -hmm. was literally hanging by his hands from a cliff. And that's where the term comes from. Really? I yeah, mean, I'm surprised you don't know that, actually. I feel like that would be definitely in your, like, lexicon of knowledge. Is that the right use of lexicon? No. No, it's I would, not. I would use catalog of knowledge, personally. I was going to say wheelhouse, and I didn't really want to. And then I was like... Lexicon is more about words you know, right? Yes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, or words you use on a regular basis. Either ah. way, that kind of knowledge... Either way, I feel like you should know that. Well, yeah, that's the kind of thing that is absolutely in my bailiwick. <sighs> However, um, and I actually did read all the Sherlock Holmes stories. And, and you don't remember that? Well... Maybe it was Charles Dickens. What I remember, I don't think it was... I don't think Dickens would have done any cliffhanging. That's although true. he was very serialized. However... What I remember about Sherlock Holmes is he and Moriarty were actually falling off a cliff into um, a waterfall at the end of a story. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was it. And no, there is one I think that is like the end of a chapter or the end of a what someone is hanging off the cliff though. Yeah, the Italian job. That's not. That's what's her face and what's his face. If you say Charlie's <laughs> Charlie Theron and what, Jude Law? No, 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 no. The guy, the guy with the hamburger franchise with his brothers, um, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I'm so furious that you're not talking about the Michael Caine movie. Of course I'm not. You know I'm not. We've had this discussion. Yes, but I thought that you would behave yourself as we're now, like, you know, basically... Behave myself? Well, yes, because we're <laughs> sort of, like, this is going on the record for eternity. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can whatever bandy about your Mark Wahlberg movie in casual conversation, <laughs> but I would have thought that you would want it, like, on the celestial ledger that your canonical Italian job movie was the one starring uh, Michael Caine. My only defense is that I haven't seen that one. You know, <laughs> that would be an excellent defense if you hadn't seen the Charlize Theron one either. I love Charlize Theron. Okay, I can't argue with that. Anyway. And What's-His-Face isn't Jeff Bridges also in that one? He's good. I don't know. I never saw oh the new God. one. See, you can't even sit, come at me, bro, because you haven't seen the other one either. You do not need to have seen the other one. No, if you've seen how the do you King know? One. Mine has Mini Coopers in it. What does yours have? Minis before they were Coopers. <laughs> really? Yeah, we we're just oh, losing man. two extraneous syllables. Anyway. Um, You're an extraneous syllable. I am, and there are a few more extraneous syllables before we get to the chapter. Namely, it is time for um, <clears throat> Announcement Alley. <laughs> And the announcement is that we are, despite this episode going out at the beginning of December, we are going on hiatus for the remainder of December due to family and travel obligations and... The holidays. Just, yeah. In general, you know, time for breaks. Yeah. Just look around. You get it. Yep. So we'll do. be back with a new episode on January 5th. Which is in 2022. I wish I had time to write a literal cliffhanger here, but they're on like a riverbank. You didn't write a cliffhanger? You didn't know we were going to have this totally unscripted conversation about Harvey Wallbangers? Oh, you should make me a Harvey Wallbanger. Uh, if I knew how, I would. It's and a I can, drink. Well, I know that. Oh. I just don't know, like, 
you know, I just don't know, like, the ratio of, you know, uh, grenadine to diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, there's grenadine. Never mind. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea what's in a Harvey Wallbanger. I just wanted to come up with an extremely disgusting mixer combination. I don't really know why I said Harvey Wallbanger anyway. It doesn't really sound like cliffhanger. Not much. <laughs> I think you were actually, I thought you were sort of mixing Cliffhanger oh, with, with Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. I was. Okay, good. Well, that's slightly better, but somehow it doesn't still quite make sense. You should never second guess <laughs> your own banter. You're a natural. <laughs> I don't think my banter makes sense to almost anyone except for myself, which, and obviously sometimes I lose my own thread. So how's that going? Well, all I can say is that our... The, beloved and indeed loving audience is you know uh boundlessly tantalized by every word coming out of your mouth and they're in luck because you're about to read chapter 18 of our book too bad these aren't my words coming out of my mouth you can't win them all (laughs) i'm just kidding they're yours i'm sure they'll be delightful they will be quite literally something (laughs) All right, let me commence reading, as you say. Why do you look like that? Oh, I just love the fact that I say things like that. Commence reading. It's so like, dun, 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 every time. Well, I can't help it that I'm like classy. Dramatic. Oh, I was going to say dramatic. Yes, I am the dramatic side of classy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The Rouen Cathedral Spire appeared first around a bend in the river. Agatha hadn't taken an active role when the crew discussed the disposition of their cargo, but she knew that she'd soon be speaking a whirlwind of French among the rough men and rich merchants at the docks. They're not the same. Well, the rough men would be like the people like loading and unloading the boats. The dock hands? Yes. Ah. They needed to sell their goods to seem like honest war profiteers, betraying the British crown, but she knew that Anthony also wanted to discover the upcoming movements of the French army regiment stationed in Rouen. Am I saying that right? Rouen? Rouen. Rouen. My bad. The last several days had offered no more clarity on either the mission or her tangled relationship with her captain. Oh, you just jumped us ahead, huh? I did. She heeded calls to prepare the cargo for unloading, doing as best she could among the brawnier crew. Wow. And a few hours flew by until she heard Anthony calling her name from above decks. Peter! He yelled. Well, it was almost her name. Among the crew, everyone had dropped the pretext and started calling her Agatha, to the temporary confusion of sweet young Charlie until Dipper had brought him up to speed. Some large French stevedores? What the hell is a stevedore? Another term for dock worker. You're a dock. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's everyone. Like it's Is that still specifically you... French. No, it's oh. like there. It's like everyone who works yeah, on a dock, loading and unloading ships, is among other things called a stevedore. I have never heard of this, and I've read so many books about boats. Wow. Okay. We're lashing the schooner to appear while a thin man in a plumed hat had boarded the ship and started to harangue Anthony. Agatha skittered back down the ladder almost immediately to fetch the forged manifest that Lobo had labored over for the past few days. Their stolen beauf, biff, biff, had become English beef from a reputable farmer in Lancashire, and their rubies now came from a Russian nobleman who'd started an import business in London. She wasn't too impressed by the name Alexei 
Lobovich Bogorov, but Lobo must have known what he was doing. Was, was that pronunciation bad? I mean, it's not like a plausible Russian name it's anyway, hilarious. so it doesn't really Lobovich is, is pretty good. Well, I mean, son of Lobo. It's perfect. Oh, my lanta. I mean, that one I at least can, but Bogorov is pretty uh, obvious. He might have gone a little too far. Might, I think he did, yeah. <clears throat> Agatha sheepishly shuffled over to the French customs officer and handed him the manifest. The man's plume waited for several seconds before turning toward her as well. His eyes widened, and the plume bobbed in disbelief. Agatha reached up and touched her hair. She'd taken to wearing her long brown tresses down since her inevitable exposure and hadn't remembered to pin it up under a knitted cap before arriving in port. The officer asked who she was in a more blustery tone than Agatha thought was necessary. My name is Peter de Hauck, sir, she said in French. I was recently stranded on a small ship's boat for six months on the Indian Ocean, and I haven't had a chance to cut my hair. I see, said the officer. My name is Jean Delacroix, and I believe that your captain here is an idiot and that your whole crew is here to create mischief. Hang on. I have to... There's two notes that I have. No notes! Too much further. Go ahead. Well, one of them's for you. Mm. It's not Delacroix, it's Delacroix. I like Delacroix better. It's like a LaCroix. Well, yeah, but you... I mean, we watched Absolutely Fabulous. You have to remember... uh, What's her face? Uh, Adina saying, La Croix, darling, La Croix. Oh, geez, I've totally blocked that out. Anyway, the other thing, which is actually um, more in confession corner, is I'm pretty sure that Agatha had cut her hair <clears throat> before running off to join the crew. She like, did, yeah. Okay, well, I totally forgot that until I'd written this charming little section, so I just left it. Well, it could have grown out. I mean, that was, like, weeks ago. Like, oh, like, two weeks tops, I think. That's true. But I don't know how, like, I was thinking, like, sort of chin, a little longer than chin length. Like, even growing out an inch would be quite, well, it wouldn't grow out an inch in two weeks. I suppose she would have hacked it off pretty far. And also, if, if she's saying six months, that means her hair was really quite long. So I messed it up, but I think I might just go back and have her not chop off her hair, despite how implausible it is that she could have hidden it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a little too like vain for our purposes, I think, for her to just leave it. That's true. It's not like she actually cares about that sort of thing. Yeah. That said, there needs to be, you know, this would have already happened, so we'd need to go back, but I would love a moment where like, she and Peter are talking and she's just fucking dressed as a dude and looking all masculine and stuff. And then she removes a bobby pin from her hair and shakes down her luxurious tresses. Okay, I'm not as into that because I feel like people beat into women about, you know, how their whole sense of worth and beauty is wrapped up in their hair. So that's not as, I'm not sold on that idea as much. And I totally agree with you sociopolitically, but in terms of narrative cliche, I love the letting hair down and the somewhat implausible reaction. Like suddenly she's beautiful. Exactly. It's one of my favorite little stupid tropes. So anyway, we don't need to add it. We'll do a coin flip later on. Yeah. Well, Either way, chances are I'll we'll actually arm wrestle for it. I I just I just wanted something adorable to happen toward the beginning of this chapter. That's but fair. I can find another you know ingress for adorkability if we want to keep the hair length. She consistent. can like have forgotten to put her like breast binding on or something. 
Mmm. All right. Or so, you know, because that would be something yeah. really uncomfortable that she would like forego if everyone already knows she's a woman. There's no reason to wear it, really. Good point. All right. Well, let's see how she deals with this hair situation, <laughs> even though it'll be quite ephemeral and you will not read about this when you go to the airport. No, and we buy can the leave book. it in if you really like it. I don't mind that much. Well, I want some degree of internal consistency. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> Uh, great podcasting. <clears throat> As Monsieur Captain has been unable to disabuse me of this notion, would you and your lovely hair like to give it a try? You will see that our manifest is in perfect order, Agatha said. Jack sidled over and handed her a hat, which she... Sh Jack? Yeah, okay. Whoa. Jack. What's Charlie's brother's name? Charlie's brother is something else, but Jack is the big I know. Dude. Well, I know, but now I've... Anyway, that's here, neither here nor there. Um, which she shoved all of her hair under as elegantly as possible. We are simple, simple sailors in search of even more simple money. Jean tilted his head down and glanced at, glanced at her over his tiny square eyeglasses. If you want simple money, why did you come from England when our countries are at war? It seems that you would want some very complicated money or something else entirely. Not knowing immediately how to respond, Agatha translated this question for Anthony. Are you sure this one doesn't speak English? Asked Agatha. Asked Anthony. Shit. Oh, you said Agatha. No. No, I fuck. didn't. <laughs> Ugh. I don't speak English, Jean said to Agatha, but I can tell that he just asked whether I did. This does nothing to waylay my suspicion. Agatha decided to ignore that for the time being as Agatha scratched his chin and thought in silence. As Anthony. Fuck. Um, what is English in French? English. So wouldn't Anthony be like, he just said English. He does speak English. You see what I mean? Well, he wouldn't have, I mean, maybe, but he wouldn't have understood the context in which he said it. I guess. Um, okay. <clears throat> Eventually, he said, tell the man that I've had a dispute with King William over a charter that he offered and revoked. Instead of taking my cargo to the English colonies, I've decided to sell it in France as part of a personal vendetta. Agatha faithfully did so, upon which Jean added a skeptical squint to his suspicious leer. Young man, he said, I usually stay on the docks, but I've welcomed enough vessels to know that this little pleasure boat of yours could never cross the Atlantic successfully. It would tell you to tell your captain to come up with a better excuse but that won't be necessary. I'm about to call the gendarmes and have you all locked up for espionage. Agatha's rising panic was mitigated by a glimpse of Lobo whispering to Jack behind their inquisitor's shoulder. Jack picked up a replacement boom with great effort, but Lobo shook his head. Replacement boom? Well, a boom being like some big piece of wood that's involved in sailing ships based on diagrams I quickly Google Is that a real thing? Oh, yeah. That like kind you have to dodge boom. the boom when you're sailing. Yeah. But they don't, I don't think you, you, they're usually disconnectable. Well, if your boom breaks, you presumably have to, you know, you might be some carpentry involved, but it's the kind of thing that you might want to spare of on a ship. Okay. Fair. All I could think of when it said boom, though, was um one of those big, is it a microphone? Yeah, yeah. That's the big all I could think of. Microphone. I was like, why is there a microphone anyway? Well, they're shooting the film adaptation <laughs> at the same time. During, right. Okay, <laughs> got it. 
Well, don't you have anything to say, young man? Can a boy who survived six months adrift truly possess so little resourcefulness? Behind him, Jack picked up a small wooden mallet and Lobo nodded. Agatha smiled and nodded at Jack, at which point Jean added a contemptuous glance, grimace to his leer and squint. You see, monsieur, the lesson I learned while adrift is that a crew has to rely on each other. It's not about individual resourcefulness. It's about collective problem solving and self-sacrifice in the name of the greater good. She also studied under Marx. <laughs> As she finished speaking, Jack swung the mallet onto the top of Jean's head. The man crumpled to the deck in a rustle of silk. Quick, get him below decks, shouted Anthony. Jack dragged the unconscious man to the hatch and dangled him through dangled him through with one hand to be collected by Charlie. Jean had just disappeared before one of the stevedores trotted up to the gangplank and asked about his whereabouts. Agatha said that the customs officer had gone below to inspect the cargo and would be out shortly. In fact, he was asking for her translation capabilities at that moment, and the men should just wait. Anthony followed Agatha into the hold. What do we do now? asked Anthony. Those men down there are almost as big as Jack, and even if we can overpower them, there will just be more. Agatha couldn't see a way out of the situation. She wished that Anthony was a better liar, but even after his incompetent dissembling had gotten them into this dire situation, she couldn't help to lo but love his purity of spirit. Really, honey? Yeah, I think it's sweet to be a bad liar. <laughs> to be totally transparent and have like all your reactions and emotions just flicker across your face at once with no intervention whatsoever. You do, huh? I think it's adorable. Ah, uh, okay. <sighs> I don't know, sir. Could we sail fast? Could we sail fast enough back down the river? Not a chance, said Anthony. Even with the current behind us, we can't outpace any of the boats made for this river. Our only chance is to continue seeming like a merchant vessel. Agatha reflected that they were bad enough at this, bad enough at this, even without an incapacitated French customs officer in their hold, but decided not to say anything. I think I'm getting an idea, Anthony. His concern seemed to dissipate slightly upon her use of his first name, Jean de la Croix. Delacroix. Delacroix. Damn. Seems pretty small, right? And I think I can manage a semblance of his Parisian accent. Perhaps I can pose as him long enough to fool the stevedores and get us safely out of Rouen. I doubt anyone will recognize me under that hat anyway. Anthony smiled for a moment and then scowled. I hate that idea, but I have to admit that it's our best option. Turn around while Charlie and I undress him. Anthony, I've been on this small ship for over a week. The modesty of you sailors is such that I won't be scandalized by seeing one more man in... Well, how do you say that? This is actually a very tricky one because... <sighs> that you just had to put in. It's for a good reason. Oh, okay. When we release the official audiobook, we'll look it up. We'll still read it. Like, we'll still read the alternating chapters, Can but you... we'll look everything up first. <laughs> no, for the actual audiobook... It'll be all polished and nice and you can read the dude's chapters. That makes more sense anyway. Fair enough. Wait a minute. I'm reading the dude's chapters anyway right now. You're writing the dude's chapters Fuck, and yeah, I'm reading shit. them. Yeah, mm -hmm. Which, and I'm the one who tends to put in more little French phrases. <sighs> That's so you're true. stuck I'm with them. I'm screwed. No, it's fine. Um, so this one is, I believe, something like on des habillés. Um, or on déshabille. I think it's on déshabille, but 
it sort of made its way to English as like a semi-French pronunciation and, and like I think people say Dishabille or Deshabille, which I don't think is how it's Ooh, pronounced. What a massacre of the actual French. Well, I don't again, I never know with double L's. Mm. Like Bastille Day, Bastille Day, Tomato, Tomato. I just Potato. Exactly. I have no clue. <laughs> um so it might be on Deshabille, really. Um, it might, and that's totally it. But anyway, what? there's an English phrase for this too. There's tons of English phrases, oh, okay. but they're not fun. Oh, and this is fun. Just keep reading. <laughs> Charlie, who had been standing behind Anthony with a blank expression on his face, blushed fiercely. Wait a second, Peter. I mean, Agatha, you might have seen us all naked, but we haven't been engaging in any of those disgusting French practices. Agatha sighed. It just means undressed. Anthony, please start stripping this man. As devious as Lobo is, I don't think he can stall the men on the dock forever. Five minutes later, a huge feather arose from the hatch, followed by a slightly smaller figure in an even an even puffier blue silk. The glasses caught a hideous blur caused, caused sorry. Ooh. A hideous blur in the center of Agatha's field of vision, but she could see enough in the periphery to get around. She knew she was looking at the stevedores when they went out of focus. Um, would a random customs person be wearing silk? Yeah, he's like a puffed up official. Person. I mean, I get that, but when did silk come start coming from like China? I mean, China is China, right? Uh, yeah. I think. How would he have gotten? He would have had been like he had to be in the higher echelons of whatever. I don't know quite how wide. I feel like linen was. would be fancy enough, but like, what do you? Did you look up the textiles? No, I didn't. What? But I knew that a fancily dressed person would be wearing silk. Now, maybe not a fancily dressed person who's a regional customs official. Yeah, that's that's my issue. Also, I don't know when that would have made it to Europe. It had definitely made it to Europe. Okay, I but guarantee like that. Like a person working dockside probably isn't wearing something so easily stained. Is my other thing. Uh, he just talks to people and looks at clipboards and stuff. You don't think he gets sprayed with water at all? Because water ruins silk. Um, it stains it. Not, I don't know why he would. Um, I he's mean, on Ree's Riverside. Yeah, but he's not like... He's not like he, If he's sailing. boarding any ship, he's going to get water on him. Oh. I feel like. Well, that's between him and all those <laughs> worms who put in hard work just for him to Poor ruin worms. their output. I just like, I, it might be even too fancy for his like wages. Okay, well, how does linen sound when it rustles? Like, can you collapse in a rustle I mean, of linen? Because I really liked that phrase. <laughs> I mean, sort of. I mean, it can be made out of all sorts of things. But yeah, other than like cotton, cotton doesn't really rustle. But it could be like a rustle of burlap. Burlap sort of makes a noise. Oh, yeah, burlap's. Burlap's not nearly fancy. Well, I mean, I know I'm just saying like other fabrics can rustle. I really wanted to say crinoline (laughs) and I settled on silk. I don't think it's crinoline. I don't think you do. But silk was my like relatively reasonable compromise. Why don't you just like go all the way and say polyester? Ooh. They definitely. I could see him wearing polyester with like really big lapels. No, I think this disco didn't exist. I really want to know now when silk made it to Europe so bad. Um, I'm going to say not long after Marco Polo. Like the game? 
trying to talk about the Italian dude who like jacked know, the I'm, whole idea of I'm pasta kidding. from China. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. He stole pasta. Well, I mean, yeah, Italians did not make pasta until Marco Polo went and saw the noodles. He and stuff stole in China. all the rice noodle ideas. Well, they ended up making it with wheat in Europe, but essentially, well, I know, but he the right. whole like Chinese making Asian would have been rice dry noodles huh. and then heating them up in boiling water to create a food came from China by way of, if not exactly Marco Polo, some other people who traveled to, uh, you know, China a very long time ago. This was not something that Europe came up with independently. It absolutely came from China. I mean, did Europe come up with anything independently other than, like, killing indigenous cultures and smallpox? Um... (laughs) Well, I'll have to get back to you on that. (laughs) Nothing comes immediately to mind. The hilarious thing is even tomatoes are a new world thing. Well, I knew so, that, actually. So basically... Corn like, is a new world thing, yeah, too. Well, yeah, but fancy European food does not contain corn as a general That's true. Rule. Whereas, like, That's all true. the Italian staples besides, you know, I mean, potatoes. Cows, they do have gnocchi. Isn't that made out of potato? I think potato is actually new world. Oh, no, that's Ireland. No, I think they started they growing stole it them in, in Ireland. The, oh, jeez. Okay, so... Where did the Irish people get potatoes? From the New World. They wow. started growing them as like a staple crop. Mm. Eat, like not, you know, a huge amount of time before the potato famine. I had no idea. Yeah. No, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. In which case, I will apologize right. profusely in a month. I get to have a whole month of being blissfully wrong while everyone's mad at me. This Catholicism. We could go with Catholicism. But they basically co-opted a bunch of like pagan rituals and stuff so that doesn't count really probably primarily european pagan rituals although that's true there's some middle eastern ones but like yeah anyway so nothing not even numbers those are um oh gosh our current batches uh well arabic well it's sort of like arabic but i think india came up with the concept of zero okay so yeah but still that's like the Mm non-europe world Anyway, let's see what these, you know, these European people might not have invented anything, but they're really good at wearing crinoline and or silk. They're really good at co-opting stuff and using it for their own purposes. Yeah, but let's see what, let's get back and see what they're up to now, these goofy Europeans. You didn't like our weird digression? No, I just think our weird digression is going very slightly in circles. (gasps) Never. Everything seems to be in order, she said to the large men. I was just tasting some of the beef. It has a bitter, it has the bitter taste of cows that have never seen sunshine and salt from a shore where beautiful women never bathe. The men looked over and gave each other a brief nod before turning back to Agatha and looking expectant. Agatha had no idea what the, what to tell the men to do next, but Lobo stepped in. His instinct for self-preservation finally outweighing his recitants to let his Excellent French actually helped the crew. Monsieur Delacroix was Croix. Did I get right? No. What? Where did that R sound come from? I don't know. Delacroix. Delacroix. In my defense, there is an R in it. Yeah, that means nothing. I mean, I know that, but you asked me where it came from and that's where it came oh, from. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Monsieur Delacroix was just telling me that we might as well scout the local merchants and find buyers before we unload. You gentlemen can go about your business. We will, of course, compensate you heartily when it's time to engage your services. 
At that, the men nodded again with large smiles on their faces before trotting back to down the pier. Anthony gathered all the men below decks where they made sure to tie up the real Jean Delacroix and bind his mouth securely, 17 times a charm. Anthony gave her a curious look when she proved exceptionally helpful in this process, despite her continual struggles with actual sailors not. <laughs> All right, men, announced Anthony. I don't want a repeat of what happened in La Havre. You must keep a low profile on the ship and make sure that our guest remains comfortable until we can dump him in the middle of a des deserted field somewhere. I'm going to head ashore and secure lodging as a reputable captain must do in order to sell his legitimate wares. And in this foreign land, I'll need my trusted translator at my side. You'll hear from us tomorrow. Wow, what an ending. Now they're just scamping around Rouen together alone. Alone together. They're going to rent a room. They are going to rent a room. I bet the, the sailors have always been teasing them and saying, like, get a room. Oh, yeah. That saying was totally in common use. I think so. Right. And now they're actually going to do it. They're going to rent a room. Actually, I Although think... Although I don't think Anthony needed that much explanation about why he was renting a room. Like, he didn't... Bye! Like... Well, fair, fair. But he's just saying, like... He's emphasizing that he doesn't want the crew to get them into trouble again. So right. they're just being extra super straight-laced. Right. But if they were really being extra super straight-laced, he would just stay on the ship. Well, no, he's... Again, trying to maintain the facade of them actually getting away with being merchants. Oh. And it would actually arouse suspicion if nobody are came you, ashore. Are you sure? He has a hobnob. He's selling That's a whole true. bunch of he beef does, and he rubies. He's selling a bunch of shit. All right, all right. Yeah. And um, I'm also like, I mean, you can write as much or as little as this if you, as you want. Um, like... I might not get the chance, but I would love to continue the adventures of Agatha dressed up as Jean Delacroix ah. trying to move her, you know, be silkened ass around the upper echelons. We're going to have to definitely check about this fabric thing, though. Yeah, Can't have her that. parading around in silk that doesn't exist there yet. We'll check about that. We'll check on potatoes. <laughs> um... I don't know that anyone else is actually interested in that stuff that we're talking about, but I am. Oh, I'm intensely interested. Well, I know you are. You're just as nerdy as I am, so of course you are, but... <clears throat> I also really want to eat noodles right now. Oh, egg noodles? I mean, egg, wheat, rice. Mm. It doesn't matter. I want some from the Hong Kong place. Oh, you mean the restaurant in where this podcast is recorded? Are you going to cut that out? Maybe, <laughs> but maybe they would also sponsor us lavishly <laughs> and give us free food every maybe Tuesday night. Maybe just cut out the actual place until we do get a sponsorship. Fair, okay, yes. You can say because I just love that it's called. Yes, or if you want to, if you own a restaurant that makes delicious noodles and wants to you know outbid on the sponsorship yeah. we are all ears you'll have to give us noodles I'm and ready. money <laughs> if you hell if somebody sent us a bag of egg noodles that were really good i would be willing to call that fine <laughs> all right email hello at romantic underpinnings.com <laughs> well, sound sincere well, yeah 
We'll give you a P.O. box number and then you can send us noodles. All right. What could go wrong? <laughs> we'll rent one specifically for this. I can't wait. Yeah, I need a friend with a P.O. box. That's what I've learned. Anyway, <laughs> separate issue. Um, I think we're ready to wrap up this episode. We're ready to get on with our December of... Merriment making. Exactly. Or and, something. And, you know, thinking about how our savior was born in, you know, three and a half weeks. Uh, 2000... I guess like 50 yeah. whatever years ago. No, I think he was actually born around Is he the 0 AD? Well, CE. I thought he was zero. No, oh, he died in like 32 right, or 33. Right, right. It might be off by like one or so years in either direction. You're right. But actually there was no year 0, so it might have been 1 CE. Yeah, and, they, and he died in like 33 CE. India or hadn't something. given us 0 yet. Or <laughs> 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 we hadn't stole it from them yet. Something like that. That's actually probably true. Wow, now I'm depressed again. Well, let me think. Does it just go from one to one? That's so weird. There's yeah, like there a was one no BCE and then a one CE. Well, that's why everyone was confused around the year 2000. Oh, like the, the so millennium it didn't actually been 2001. start. 2001. Exactly, exactly. Huh. So 2001 was the official beginning of the new millennium but everyone thought it was a big deal that it was the year 2000 mostly due to a conspiracy to benefit prince is that why yeah he made a killing off that party like it's 1999 song when really partying like it's 1999 was essentially meaningless it was like partying like it was 1998 yeah there's no difference between partying in 98 and 99 whereas partying in 2000 huge deal anyway um that little sidetrack might be a sign that we should, <laughs> you know, take this. Hang up. Well, yeah, take this podcast behind the shed and um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't finish that sentence. Well, Bye, I, I think the listeners probably only have like 11 or 12 chapters left-ish. You mean we've rounded the corner? I think so. I mean, I think we're shooting for 30, right? I mean, originally we were shooting for 20, but we clearly aren't going to make all the plot work out in the next two chapters, so. I mean, yeah, we should be a little elastic just in well, case. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, as a general goal. But obviously, I mean, things are heating up. Shit is going down. Mm. It's exciting. It's terrifying. It is intoxicating. And sometimes it's pretty hot. So, although I didn't contribute to that at all in this chapter, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Enjoy it while you can, everyone. Although not for the rest of this month. Sorry. And tune in again next time for another romantic episode of Romantic Underpinnings. Languidly yours. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>